start. Sooners of Oklahoma at 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning into the final regular season post-game episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, right alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champion, Mr. Damian Mackey, D-Mac. How we doing, brother? Man, top of the morning, brother. Uh, maintain it, man. Maintain. We took our lungs last night. We found a way to lose. Uh, rest didn't help us. Uh, we didn't help ourselves either. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the end of the year. Obviously, we won enough to go to a bowl game. I think, uh, you know, from a figurative standpoint, we still have the opportunity to, quote, unquote, have a winning season. And I still think that's extremely important. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see, man. We'll talk about it in more details here how we wrap up the class of 2023, how we wrap up the portal. By the way, the portal is going to go bonkers. I don't know if you guys are seeing this, but guys are already, dudes are already identifying as in the portal, like literally today. And then we got to win the off season. So, uh, man, a lot left to be desired. We're going to talk coaching. We're going to talk scheme. We're going to talk players. I think they all share blame. And not just last night. Last night, I think, it was a microcosm of what could have been uh, for the 2022 season. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's a silver lining in that there are some strong foundational pieces being set. And data supports the fact that if you turn culture around and, and you get those foundational pieces in place, you are in position to have a stable winning program. Uh, but I will say, man, especially for the Sooner Nation, Coach V is effectively on the clock. I'm with you on that. I, I posted as much on Twitter. Um, and as Sooner fans know, if you're tuning in by now, OU drops the game in Lubbock 51 to 48. Went into overtime, but uh, I'll tell you what, DMAC, I, I wasn't super confident um, going into overtime. And I think. If OU was going to win that game, it was going to have to be in regulation. Uh, when you end up going back and looking at the numbers, offensively, it doesn't look bad, right? The Dylan Gabriel has over 400 yards, bunch of touchdowns, but as it's been all year, it, it's it's a play here, a play there, not converting on short yardage, not converting on a fourth down, you know, missing a block, a guy drops a pass. And it, as you said, it was kind of a microcosm, just like against OSU, OU gets out there, they jump to a 14-point lead, they end up scoring 10 in the second quarter, so a little bit better second quarter than the uh, OSU game. But the problem was, Texas Tech puts up 23 in the second quarter, and then after that, man, it was essentially Katie bar the door, and and the Red Raiders, they, they got rolling, they found a rhythm offensively. So we'll, we'll discuss the defense, but Sooner fans, I, I think the first thing that's going to be on their mind is Levy was brought in here to, to have a, a physical run game and to stretch the field vertically, right? To, to not, the idea of the offseason was that no longer is the rush three drop eight going to be a thing. Um, OU is going to be able to overcome that. Um, OU is going to be tougher in the ground game, be more physical. And I feel like we've seen that at times. But at the end of the day, what has been the ultimate Achilles heel for for OU as they put up 48 in this game? But what wasn't like they were inept offensively. But But what has it been that has kept them from converting in those high pressure moments? Yeah, I'm gonna give me a couple minutes for this one because I want to. I'm gonna continue to preface this throughout the rest of this conversation, and obviously, you you know what I'm getting ready to say because you read it this morning. But when you play football, there's four aspects to the game. There's more, but in, in this lens, let's look at four primary aspects. Right, number one are playmakers. 
right? And it's as the name says, it's people who go on the field and make a play when maybe there isn't a play there. Great example will be Kyler Murray, right? Kyler Murray was probably the best playmaker for, for Oklahoma. Caleb's having that kind of season year two in, in SC, but I would say Kyler was a better player for Oklahoma than Caleb was for Oklahoma last year, right? We call a bad play, a tackle gets beat, uh, you know, whatever, the receiver falls down and the timing route isn't there. The quarterback sees what happens, diagnoses it quickly and goes and makes a play out of something that was not a good play, right? Playmakers. Number two is making the play. That's coach calls, ace flip, 96Z post. You mentally are in the areas you're supposed to go to. The play schemed up correctly against the proper coverage. When the ball is thrown, you make the play. The ball comes your way. You catch the ball. They call a run play. You block the proper guy. They call a run play. The running back has the proper track and sees daylight. Play side, backside, cut back, whatever. Right? That's making the play. Then they're scheming. Right. Scheming is a coach's ability to look at data, look at film, look at personnel and say these plays work to our advantage versus this opponent or those plays work against our advantage, which means we need to either, you know, scheme our way out of them or not put ourselves in these situations so that we can have, you know, uh, uh, predictive positives uh, on offense and or defense. And then last but not least is the actual job of coaching. In-game coaching, game situation, personnels during games, the actual aspect of coaching the dudes you have and, you know, making sure you've got your best 11 or the best schemes for your talent, all that stuff, right? So let's look at the game from those four lenses and you're talking offensively, right? We're talking offense? Yeah, yeah, just offense right now. On offense, I feel like our biggest issue is play makers. And here's why. Today's college football, the most important player on the field is who? Quarterback. Okay. So we're, so, and by the way, obviously that's a loaded question, but I think most people would say that's the case. We came into this season, our coach comes in a month late, portals already kind of drying up. We don't have position coaches yet. One thing the Sooner Nation was really excited about soon after uh, Caleb leaving was what? Dylan Gabriel. We got Dylan a day or two later, was it? I mean, like literally. Was, I think Caleb entered the portal that evening and they had Gabriel that next morning. Correct. And so when 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 you look at it from that lens, you got to say, okay, we've got all these uh, variables. New, you know, first time as a head coach, trying to hire a new staff, hearing about the turmoil in the program, hearing about some of the issues in the athletic department, some of the questions and concerns that that link was raising about support staff and all these different things, right? Trying to trying to save a class, the current class of recruits, right? One thing I think he really knew was we can't do anything without a cue. He hires his OC. His OC says, "Hey, man, there's a kid I coached and was very good with at you know at a prior destination. We can gobble him up today." When you're checking boxes, that's a huge box checked. So to use revisionist theory regarding that scenario, to me, it's emotional. It was the Sooner Nation was most of them, I'll say, because I wasn't. But a lot of people were crying, extremely emotional. We were pissed. I was pissed. Right. We get the we hear the interview. I'm not going to LSU. And then boom, the next day he's going like the same night. He's going to SC. That that's pretty. That's pretty. That's why he's called that bitch out West now, because that's a bitch move. But man, it felt good to think, okay, our OC got a guy where there's going to be some uh, uh, consistency, right? Some normalcy on offense. We're going to have a slinger who can go back there and lead the offense. Well, to your original question, I said this would be a little long-winded. He never let us. Hmm. If if the play wasn't schemed, I don't. I wouldn't even call the Nebraska play that he gets, I think, the 68-yard um, QB lead because the receivers block everybody. Like he gets to the edge and he just has to keep running. It was so a call play. Even, yeah. Yeah. I, I think he was just making the play versus being a playmaker. You, you look in this, you look at the season and you ask yourself, where did our quarterback make plays? 
like make plays right and and there's sometimes he slides to his right left and he, and he makes a play he, he did a great job of it in the preseason does a does a ton of that right he's sliding left sliding right he, he you know he gets on the edge and stops and sets and throws or he goes and gets 10 12 yards you know he makes a play the longer and deeper we got into conference and, and guys are watching film and teams are seeing how to keep him funneled in the pocket where he doesn't have great pocket awareness. He'll run himself into sacks and, then, and people see that. So they say, hey, Dins, get upfield and stay home. He's going to turn and run right back into you. And all year he did it. Offense has issues. Offense has issues. Our guard center guard situation was never very strong. Our right tackle was inconsistent the second half of the year. Our, our, our number one receiver all the way down, except I would say probably except Drake Stoops had those receivers had games where they just had just flat out drops. Willis had a, you know, he had a great middle of the season, earlier middle of the season. And then he had a bum three or four games before he has a decent game last night. You know, he, he scores a couple tugs for us and, and, and plays winning football, man. If your quarterback can't make plays and can't a strong word, but he can't make plays. He didn't show against a power five, uh, a big 12 defense. He could consistently do it. So it's can't for me. And he sometimes misses just making the play. That's not scheme or coaching. You know, and sometimes you'll say, well, you got to recognize that your quarterback can't do this and stop doing it. Well, that's why we took the ball out of his hands against West V. I think the coaches were recognizing that he's now a liability and say, hey, dude, we're going to try to win the game of gray because we can't even trust our cue to throw the ball. I think he's like, you know, West V and, and Oklahoma State, second half of the game, he's competing in passes less than 40%. Now, those are the those are the times of the game when you need to cue to make the play, right? So, when if you're asking me offensively, um, I'm looking at this from a thematic lens, like themes. What are the themes? Because themes are overarching; they're long term, right? Game to game, yeah, we got to analyze that, and we'll do a ton of that this offseason. But thematically, if we don't get in, if we don't get better at quarterback, I see the same thing next year. So when you're asking me what's a priority or what's one thing we need to seriously look at, we need to create more competition at quarterback. We need to let Dylan, we need to be honest with Dylan and say, man, thank you for year one. You know what I'm saying? Let's go get a winning season and so that we can keep that under our belt. But say, dude, next year, come prepared to fight your ass off or recruiting. I had a meeting with Bob Stoops. Okay. This is how do we win the championship? Um, uh, Barry, we win the natty. We come home. We got a couple of days off. We start off season. All season starts. This is the 2001 winner. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm a dude now. Like, I'm a dude. I'm respected. I'm respected in college football. If I go out of town, people know who I am. Like, guys knew who the guys were at OU, right? Bob calls me in for my exit interview. And it's like, yo, Mackie, hell of a season. Appreciate you showing up. We needed you. Da -da 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 -da. We're recruiting better dudes. We got a guy named Willie Peoples is going to be playing your position. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to go compete. And, and you know what, Barry? I didn't like it mad. You know, like, I wasn't like, it, I didn't take it personal, right? Mark Clayton and Willie Peoples are coming. Josh is a senior. He's got a year ahead of me. Josh is going into his senior year. I'm going into my junior year. Guess what I did that offseason? I had the best offseason of my career. Mm. I got better. Right. And going into that season, I'm the starting kick returner. I'm the starting punt returner. I'm, I beat Josh out flat out at H. I'm playing slot. Willie actually went to X. Mark went to X because Dre ends up going to defense. And I'm prepared to play ball. But the point is, we cannot be afraid to tell guys like Dylan who play mediocre at best. There's a term we use called mid. <laughs> and I don't want to tell you the context behind where mid comes from because it's <laughs> actually, actually Oklahoma, it's legal now. <laughs> I don't smoke, but there's a term called mid. And they say, if you got some mid, it ain't good, right? But uh, he played mid, man. And, and, and I promise you, you know, Sooner Nation, I, I said this too. We have four transcendent quarterbacks. We had four. By the way, we had four. People forget we had four transcendents and a crazy five-star who was the number one recruit. We've got Bake. We've got Kyler. We've got Hertz. And we have C-Dub. That's four transcendent dudes who could just put on a cape in their own way and go win you a game. And we have Rattler, right? For the Sooner Nation to see Dylan, uh, Immediately after that, it, it was a tough spot for him to be in, but he didn't do himself any favors. 
No. And, and if you go back a year ago, cause I, I did this, uh, this morning, just kind of thinking about what the difference was. Cause we know that, uh, Keegan Renault, who's a, um, contributor to Sooners 360, he Shout posted, yeah, he, he posted the S and P metrics and OU is only like, you're talking about a handful of spots different, um, whether better or worse, um, in some cases, uh, from a year ago, that it's it's negligible the the difference, but the key difference was at quarterback. So you go back to a year ago. Obviously, we know OU loses to Baylor with with uh, Caleb Williams. They lose to Oklahoma State. You could argue though, they would probably have lost four out of their last five games a year ago. You probably lose to Kansas if not for just an insane play. It's not right? a probably they lose. They he lose. makes a play that saved the game. That's a playmaker play. He he makes the play of the game for sure. Then you probably lose to Iowa State. The very high likelihood if you're not able to put 28 up on the board, and then that 28 was a struggle to say the least. And then <laughs> right. and, and you lose to Texas. You, there's no way. In fact, that everybody's talking about getting blown out by Texas this year. You go back and watch that game, it was not even close up until about, I guess, 10 minutes left to go in the third is when, when OU finally kind of kind of pulled within range. But that was a blowout with Rattler at quarterback yeah. and a few more weapons on offense. You had Kennedy Brooks, you had Mario Williams. Like You, you had some players. And you come lose on, that. Come on, go come ahead. On. Barry, yeah. Barry, everyone talks about defense. And Kennedy could have come back, but he's a running back. He shouldn't have come back. But you're right. Apples to apples. Oh, are you kidding me? Mario Williams. Mario Williams is probably the one this year. In this offense, his ability to, to get separation. I mean, he's not that much smaller than Mims. And he's a tough little guy. He'll go make a contested play. And, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, super boost the kid up. But what if Mario and Kennedy are here? Let's not even talk about, hey, look, let's just say Mario and Kennedy step. Mm. Like, that's a that's those are by the way where was mario number two court receiver in the country they talk yeah. about stars all these stars right we had a five-star leave and we replaced him with what arizona state and uh what was the other kid from was uh you know um where's the other kid from arizona state and and um yeah um does El well, sisters where? of the poor Sisters of the Poor Universe is, is my point, right? Yeah, guys come in and, and don't make any impact at all. By the God, he's wearing my freaking number, but no, yeah, that that's uh, I want to make sure we don't forget to mention that like dudes matter, and we lost to our at least number two best receiver and a transcendent quarterback on offense, and we placed them with who we thought was going to be, uh, we thought he was going to be. Right. Just the, the 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 saving grace that makes us, you know, have a decent season because he can make plays and he couldn't consistently do it. And by the way, apologies for interrupting, man. Get back. To no, you could. No, it's it, it's fair, man. And and I think the, the point can't get missed as you know, I, I made a comment before we started how you go down to just peewee football, man. If you lose a couple of guys who are who are stars on your peewee team. It drastically affects things. If you add elite level talent to a team that is already on the cusp and or you you lose that talent, it makes a difference. It just it just does. It impacts the uh, the way the defense is playing you. It impacts the confidence of the defense you're going against. And it gives you just an added dimension that there's different things that you can do. But the, the amount of off-schedule plays that, that we've seen it this season, few and far between. And now you have the regular season in its totality where we kind of know what we're getting from Gabriel. And I, I would venture to say well, when Arnold arrives – it is going to be a very, very open competition. I, I think if he picks up the offense, if, if he can develop physically, it, a Arnold Gabriel um, quarterback room is not a bad room at all. If if Gabriel is pushing Arnold for time or vice versa, and they can make each other better, 
that's a room that that could do something in the season. But I still think we probably are pretty close to seeing DG's ceiling, right? He maybe has a little bit more in the tank. One more year with these guys, as long as OU can hold on to a few, maybe get a little more chemistry. But I, I think he's pretty close. I, I think he's probably yeah. just about maxed out his potential. Agreed. I think if anything, it's intangibles. I don't think there's any tangible, you know, gains he's going to get in an offseason. He's not going to drop his 42 tenths. I don't know. Maybe his arm could get stronger. I don't know if his arm injury from a couple of years back was an issue this year. Because, man, did you see the throw? He throws, gosh, dog, he throws like a, a speed out. It's like a 10 yard out. And he literally throws from his like from his toes like it looked yeah. like he pulled all the power from his toes up to throw that out and it came out as a changeup. i was like holy shit he threw a changeup <laughs> on a 10 yard out. <laughs> yep and then and, and it looked like he gave everything he had to make that throw so you know i made mean, that probably is one tangible area he can he can probably get better with the weight room and, and diet and stuff but he is who he is, man. He's a fourth-year player, dude, but he's been in college football four years. He's a 22-year-old grown-ass man, right? It, it, I, we should not hope to expect him to have some huge leap um, his fifth or sixth year. He's got – this is his fifth year. He'll have another year if he yeah. wants to, his fifth year in the program. Yeah, and, I'm, and when it comes to arm, too, I mean, so much of that is genetic to, to a big yeah. extent. It's it's how you develop when you're young. It's your natural leverages that you have in your shoulder. It's your length. Like there's so many factors there that that contribute to whether or not you are an elite level passer and have the arm like a like a guy like Rattler who you know as many issues as he did have the the dude has an arm. I mean, and there's no really arguing that, but. I think he's probably just about maxed out his potential. And the overall point is to expect a, a fourth and fifth year guy to make massive, massive leaps is really unfair, I think, to that individual. And especially when they, they are guys who you've seen year after year in the program, just not essentially be able to cut it. And well, we're going to move over to the defensive side of the ball, and and that's kind of the reason I bring that up is a, a lot of people have been saying, well, OU should have the talent to go out and beat a West Virginia, go out and beat a Texas Tech, and and they they look at the star ratings and they say, you know what, that the OU that their composite is this, they've got you know this guy was rated this, this guy was rated this. And and my point to that is each and every recruiting cycle, you have guys a part of that class who are, if you're OU, you're going to bring in a lot of four and five star guys. But when they get to campus and they have to compete um, in the weight room and in, in the drills, um, when you get on the field and run field stuff, there are some guys who look fantastic in high school. And then you get them on the field and you're like, man, this guy just does not have the ability to move like a guy needs to move to play X position at, at Oklahoma, whatever it may be, um, linebacker, safety. And if you have good depth and you have good development, you can account for that. But to just say carte blanche that because there are a ton of stars to a guy's name, and because he had so-and-so offer from here or so-and-so offer from there, that he should be a better player, I think is it's a little unfair to the player, but it's also extremely unfair to the coaches who are now put in a position where they're looked at as poor coaches because they can't get this guy to, to hit a ceiling. And this guy may, may be hitting his ceiling. So, so I bring it up in this way. Does OU... Or should OU have had the talent to beat some of these teams they've lost to, especially in the games that were toss-ups? And, and how much do you take the stars into account? How many stars are next to a guy's name versus when they get to campus, what are you actually getting? And why is building that depth so important so, so you can mitigate that, that risk so you're not putting all your eggs in that basket? 
Holy freaking moly, that's a loaded ass question. Uh, I'm gonna answer the best I can. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to check some boxes. Number one, stars matter. Stars matter more today than they did ten years ago. Guys want to play with guys who have high accolades. Guys want to play with guys who they've seen on the circuits. Guys, and, and that stuff matters. That's why guys like Saban and 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 Kirby and those guys build that, that culture. You got the kid, the, the guy in uh, Oregon. He, he he was able to leverage that. Right? We thought. Uh, BV would leverage it, and he did. People don't like to talk about it, but Lincoln threw gasoline on that recruiting class, twenty twenty two, and 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 BV went up and had, I think, a better class than Link had his last three years, yeah. right? At, at the end of the day, so defensively at least, so stars matter, hundred percent. By the way, stars are a great indicator of how how successful guys will be in college, and then on Sunday, right? That you know, all the recruiting experts they talk about their methodology behind their stars. It's either how well they're going to play in college, or or what they're projecting as an NFL player is. And obviously, to get to the NFL, you got to be good in college. So all that hell yeah matters, and hell yeah matters to me that we get a four star versus a three star, or a five star versus a four star, just because the metrics bear out that five stars have a higher success rate than four stars and so on and so forth without a doubt without a doubt okay so that's 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 on i that's why you see the casual fan have that 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 concern and it's fair super fair hell yeah we we gotta absolutely we can't go say let's go get the toughest homegrown oklahomans who are two and three stars from and let's go back to enid enid and el reno and say because they're tough guys and they love the school and and they never mental bust we're gonna win that ain't gonna happen you're gonna get your ass whooped you're gonna be fired in a season you do that and 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 they gonna they gonna kick you out of dodge so fast you ain't gonna know what to do with yourself <laughs> <laughs> so that's that part, right? Let, but let's show that part, right? Let's look, let's look deeper at our team. And before we look at our team, let's look at what happened last season. Last season, we had our we talked about this a ton, but we just gotta bring it up again because it matters. Our best pass rusher left. Our best edge setter and our second best pass rusher left. Our best penetrator, A B A uh, A B gap left and our most athletic highest iq linebacker left plus a senior leader at safety you know i, I think that's kind of a wash because bowen steps up and he probably doesn't get the run he gets well actually he probably doesn't Broyles doesn't play but anyway right so we lose five guys on defense who who realistically all could have came and who realistically none of them were going to chase multi-million dollar first second round draft picks which hence none of them went in the first or second round Right? Mm -hmm. We're there, right? Okay. Yep, yep. When you lose that talent, guess what has to happen? Those five starters are not on the field. So, what has to happen? Someone else has to step up on the field. Like, it's just a numbers game. Everyone knows that Lincoln Riley under recruited every class. There were two or three spaces every single class. So those are that's just quality depth that never gets here. Maybe it's a three-star who overachieves. Maybe it's a late flip that we just stop recruiting hard. Whatever the case may be, we don't have those guys. Okay. Then Riley sees his best five, not his best five, but five of his best defenders are going to the league. There's something too why Riley wanted to, 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 to skip out of town. By the way, all kids he recruited, most of the kids, kids Grinch recruited, I think there's a class or two of kids that Grinch doesn't recruit. So these are their ingredients to cook their meal. And they're like, yo, we, we got to get out of Dodge. Why? Because they've practiced with those guys for one, two, three years. So they've seen them. By the way, close practices, you know how Lincoln is. Lincoln doesn't even want there to be kids in the dorm rooms <laughs> when OU practice. Right? <laughs> That's so true. Legit, like, don't watch us practice, you know. And so, so that part comes into play. We don't know the ins and outs. We just know he was running the hell out of Dodge and, and he, he could have stayed and had Caleb here, but he said something. Let's not forget what he said. Do you remember what he said in the media? He said at Oklahoma, we can never consistently recruit what defense There it is. He didn't say it. I mean, you didn't say it. I didn't say it. He said it right. So he saw what he was recruiting and what he and his coaches could do and he said the hell with this i'm going to usc so then coach bv comes in and guess what he inherits that mm. he inherits it he inherits it and he doesn't have five of the best dudes that link had and you talked about the stats that by the way you you brought up the stats on offense the the advanced metrics say that on defense 
defense with lesser talent, we had a better defense this year than last year. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. But the next gen stats show, and it's very minuscule. It's like a point better or half a point better, but better nonetheless, but with none of the dudes that are all playing on Sundays that we said here at the beginning. So there's that, there's that, there's that part. Then there's the next part, right? There's the community of people who say, yeah, but the guys didn't get better. Well, I got to tell you, man, last year, go back and, 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 and check Twitter and, and check the message boards. People didn't like booming. Now he played a ton of different positions and never found a home, but Bowman's probably your top three defender on the team this year, you know, and, and, and going into August, a lot of whispers going around in, in the program and, and in the community, D tackles were by far and away the worst position group on the team. I got to tell you, man, by the end of yeah. the year, man, those guys were pretty damn salty. Half of those those guys play winning football. None of them are, you know, going in the NFL on, on, on day one or two today including redmond i don't think by the way there's a couple plays where redmond just stands up he's literally has a front row seat to the game go watch it guys we talk about playmakers go watch redmond and redmond if you're listening or you're somebody your, your family's listening hey bro the truth will set you free bro there are plays in the third and fourth quarter get go out the game no coach you're tired there's other dudes out there playing well you literally stand up and watch the play but i digress uh, we bring up another name, and I used to loathe him. But you know, he's five times better, and I'm 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 obviously exaggerating. But twenty three is a different ball player this year. Agree. Last year, he's at the bottom of everybody's jokes, mm. mine included. I'm the Pied Piper. This year, he's playing winning football. He still has some issues that we've all seen that are just issues we've seen him have with three different coordinators. Mike Stoops recruited him. He's had issues with three different D corners. We can't expect BV to make him perfect, but damn, BV put him in a position to play much better. Damn, BV found how to put Bowman in a position to be a stud. The other DC had him all over the place. Nickel, corner, they barely played him at high safety. Barely. By the way, Bowman had his worst game of the season last night. Um, but yeah, so you you when you look at that part, it takes me to the last part, Barry, and I wanted to... <laughs> take methodically get to this part because this is where i am the most optimistic and also the most disappointed i'm disappointed in this rendition this year's rendition of our defensive players because it's so blatantly obvious when you watch the game or watch film that the players are not making the plays and i'm not talking about playmakers right man we wish grimes and our downs could be a playmaker go make a play just beat your guy how many times have we talked about those guys not being able to do that a it's a totally time. different thing totally, it's third yeah. and six it's a mm -hmm. totally different thing when it's third and six and we're in a 30 whatever 30 or 40 doesn't matter and they're gonna run zone to the weak side of the formation away from the tight end and we've got a backer on that side and we've got a safety essentially squatting he's not even robbing he's squatting and none of them can set the edge that's that's not coaching that's not scheme our guys on that play they sucked they 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 weren't physical enough. They didn't mentally see it quick enough. They they didn't have enough. They didn't watch enough film to know tendencies. But last night there are ten plays, ten of them, where they're just running zone. And by the way, they're doing a the thirty and a the forty. They're better against us in a thirty because our second level defenders are just uh, just atrocious in space. I like us in a forty. By the way, shout out to Kyle. Kyle's been shouting about it for like a month or two. I like us. Far none in a 40 better now, uh, just because at least uh, Downs and Grimes know the concept of setting an edge and they don't always do a great job, but they don't let us just get immediately out leveraged, right? Every, when yeah, that, every when time. That, yeah, every when they're time. in that seven or that five, really the seven, when they're in that seven, they 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 know how to keep outside leverage and it just, it just takes away angles. When we're in the 30 and they're in a five and they do anything to the inside and the backer is supposed to come out and set the edge, it's over. And last night, oh my God, it was so bad. So it takes me to the elementary side of this game where it's just called make the play. Coach dials it up. You watched it in practice. Tuesday, Wednesday, you went against the scout team. Thursday, you, you, you did it in, in, in shells. Friday, you did the walkthrough. 
And film coach stopped the film and he said, hey, they line up in a double under. Running backs away from you. What are you watching for? And the linebacker says, coach, I'm watching for a, a, a inside zone away. Right. Whatever, whatever, the, whatever terminology they use in that instance. And then on Saturday, you miss. That's not coaching. Oh, wait, that's not scheme. That is you, son. And by the way, the the whole it, it, what it does is it nullifies the entire community that says, OU has better players because of their stars. Well, why doesn't this four-star linebacker, defensive end, safety, who's been schemed to be in the exact position he's supposed to be and was tested? The reason he's starting is because when they tested them throughout the week, he passed the test at a higher clip. Why consistently for the whole duration of this season has he consistently missed? Well, that's coaching. Yeah, well, hey man, you, you got three linebackers. You, you've got you got two, you got twenty eight, and then you got seven who's never really played linebacker. That's it. Whittier's out. You got okay. You could you could pay the ten, but ten's two hundred five soaking wet. Yeah. You want to do sideline tackling every day in practice with those guys, and 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 two, one of them goes down in practice. You want to do Oklahoma drill to see if they're really going to thud up in the hole, or do you hope you can keep them healthy because you don't have depth? Remember, we just talked about it. Coach Riley, he knew his top five guys left. We talked about it. Coach Riley consistently under recruited. We also talked about it. Coach Riley said you can't recruit defense to Oklahoma. He said it. So now we get to week 11 and week 12 and we, you know, I bitch and moan all the time about the guys at backer all the time. But why are you acting like uh, DU is going to all of a sudden be able to take the option out when the running back come out the backfield? Or why are you act like when when the quarterback scramble and, and they step up in the pocket and they leak left or leak right? He's going to see it and, and instinctively beat them to the spot when we have never, ever, ever seen him do it. That's not coaching. That's DU. And that's why that's why when you play high school football, guess what happens to your 5'10", 185 pound linebacker? who when you're playing against a regular team he's good but when you make it to playoffs all of a sudden he's a he's a liability guess what happens to him when it's time to do scholar scholarships Oof. not good he goes he goes and studies communications you know what i'm saying at the state school he stops playing football right there's a place where and, and i'm not saying this as an indictment to du what i'm saying is is you can't take that kid and then all of a sudden say, hey, dude, you're going to be my middle linebacker at North Texas. No, he's 5'11", 185, and he runs a 4'7", 840. He was a tough kid, played in the program for four years. He reached his peak. He reached his ceiling. His time is done. Well, at Oklahoma, we've got to watch and say, okay, the film says 28. You're in year three. And 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 some of your numbers are, are pretty good, but they're hollow. 10 tackling folks 10 yards down the field and 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 you know teams don't stop running the ball <laughs> you know they've got 15 play drives and you made seven tackles on one drive that's not good bro i promise you and then two hey man you've been great for the program we appreciate you if you don't want to play dn we got an analyst position for you we got a student coach position for you like there's got to be those conversations because that's on the kid that's on the kid it was on me i felt the pressure when i was a sooner I didn't say, man, coach didn't scheme us up. He knows that I'm a jitterbug and wants to catch all the quick screens. I said, hey, man, I got to run. Remember I told you about that K-State game? Yeah. had that dude. He played inside out. He was 5'9". He was stronger than me. And I didn't be like, man, coach should have had me. No, Josh Norman. The scheme was they're playing this particular style of defense, and we need to quit the guy, and that's going to get us the best opportunity to win. That's players. And when you have – you ready? You have historically bad DNs who can't get pressure and you have historically bad linebackers who can't tackle in space every single game. Every single game is going to be difficult. There's no easy wins when your linebackers can't clean stuff up and make two yard tackles two yards at the, uh, at the line of scrimmage. There's no games that are going to be fun when most quarterbacks are at least competent throwers and your DNs are never going to get pressure unless you scheme up pressure. Every game is a dogfight. We knew that after K state, we knew yeah. it. Yeah. So it's like to now say, Oh no, the coaches like, bro, they're not going in practice, killing each other. That's fall camp. 
And it's unrealistic because you're only going against your guy. So you don't really know how good you are. Come to find out our old line is kind of soft when they don't have a schemed up play, right? If the play schemed up, our guys know how to go cover people up, but our guys ain't just moving people. They're not just moving people, which is why our D line gets moved so much because they went against our O line. So now that's an indictment on Beatenbow because those are his kids. He's been around a ton, and and and, and Levy wants to be physical. So Beatenbow got to own that on the O line part. Oh, defense, man! If you don't got nobody better than Grimes in camp, and in camp he's going against a guy who's inconsistent, and then he can sometimes beat him. You might think Grimes is going to be a killer, and then in preseason he plays against Kent State's and you know handkerchief universities of the world. You might think you got something until the level of competition rises. Then you play K-State and he's at the Sadie Hawkins dance, dancing all night with the left tackle with no intentions of ever stopping the slow dance. Literally, you know, I don't know, seven games later. And by the way, he almost got a sack. Did you see that quarterback Quarterback yep. tosses it away as he's going to sack him, which was smart by the cue. He almost got a sack. I think that would have been his first sack since Nebraska. It's been a while, man. And, you, you know, the, the general sentiment is – that as with every coach, they get compared to other coaches. And, you know, the, the easy one for, for Venables is, you know, Kirby Smart, you got your Harbaugh's, you, you got your guys who took over programs. And I, I think Venables' situation, you, you almost can't compare it to anything else because it is so freaking unique. It is unprecedented to lose that much talent. To have because of the portal, which those other guys didn't have to deal with, right? Kirby Smart didn't arrive to Georgia and have 30 players exit the team. Like it, you didn't have the same restrictions um, on the guys, you know, being able to go, not go, whatever case may be. Well, we know what the world of the portal is now, but he he is in such a unique situation that. You almost, you almost feel for him just a little bit, and and think that, you know, if the ball bounces here or there in a game or two, you know, maybe the West Virginia game goes a little different. But I think at the end of the day, when you look at the advanced stats, when when you look at a few guys who made some plays on the field, and then what's going to be coming kind of up the chain and recruiting, what's going to happen in the portal. For me, that is where you start measuring this staff. I think it's so hard to really get a gauge on what this season even was when you've seen OU decline the past five years. Every year get a little worse, every year year get a little worse, and have it masked by outstanding quarterback play. Now you get in a situation where you don't have outstanding quarterback play. You don't have those handful of guys on defense who can, you know, make the difference when when you absolutely need a play to happen. Your your Benitos and your Winfrey's and your ITs, and then now you're you're truly in a rebuilding phase. And I, I said this earlier, Venable's job was almost a little bit harder in that when you take over a a bad program. Or when you take over a losing program, anytime a a player is at their low, it is really easy to to put those right words in there, to start building them back up, to, to, to get them hopeful about what's to come because nothing can be worse than what they're going through or have just gone through. But when you take over a program that has won in spite of investment of time you know we've heard 28 say it out of his mouth that he wasn't watching film yet he was a contributor to a team that went 10 and 2 um i think he was playing a little bit on the he was on the 2020 roster that had a great finish to the year it is difficult to get guys to say you know what i am going to invest i I am going to put in the time when they were winning with what they were doing that that is a a hard sell and if you have guys who who don't believe in that it, it's hard to change your message when you've only known one way and venables has only known one way his entire coaching career which is invest time we work hard 
we watch film, we're devoted to the process of football. Well, when you go into a culture where it hasn't been like that, and now you're having to say, you know what, it will, we need to change the trajectory of this program to get to the next level. We need to change our habits and what we do on a day-to-day basis. That's hard to do, DMAC. I mean, that that's not an easy sell, and I don't think that's a sell that happens in a year. Yeah, it's a culture shift. Um, and, you know, again, right, we have, we have, uh, you know, we have short memories. How many times have we seen Sooner fans be pissed at the defense who've been getting their asses kicked all night? And then, you know, you see Buki do the, the hammer or you see one of these guys get a sack and the Sooner fans are pissed at them. And it's like, dude, you guys are out here getting killed, you know, and here you guys are lost in the moment not recognizing that you guys are the weak link well now the 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 proverbial shit hit the fan and believe it or not these guys got better they did get better right so what the again we talked about foundational pieces or i did at the very beginning coach v is putting foundational pieces in place now i want to say a couple things before we we head out we're gonna be we're gonna be uh jumping off here in a second a couple things number one from a coaching standpoint coach has to improve we 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 should have lost to Oklahoma State because of him. For season of this game, it's because of Levy, but he's got to step in and say, "Hey, dude, that H are you doing? We got to slow this thing down." So 100%. so so, and that what does it do? It prefaces our second quarter against Tech. We totally should not have allowed them to get three possessions in like five minutes. I think they score mm-hmm. on all three. That's bad clock management, and it gets you beat. It's inexcusable in year two. You can't tease us. You can't tease us with a guy like three or a guy like seven who come in and have success, especially being better athletes than two or 25. And in games like last night where the game is played in space, you can't there there I don't I can't rationalize a scenario where there's no scheme in the defensive playbook that week where seven or three are in the game because they're better athletes, right? I, we, I um the void transition. When and, and it's crazy because I totally forgot because I just I, all I remember is how amazing Roy was, but he's actually right. 99. I start the whole season. He doesn't, right? Like and what started happening, Barry is there's all of a sudden these packages where Roy's in, right? And then, so Roy isn't necessarily a focal point in the defense, but Roy, they're they're finding ways to get Roy in the game. That's, I, I can't make any excuses for Coach Venables when I see how different a player Kanik is than DU or how different a player three is than 25 and there's never a possession or down in distance or a certain uh uh, uh you know one back or 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 ace formation or or you know you know you know they're in you know 10 personnel I don't know I, I'm not there and you know I've had some conversations where there is some there is some uh there is some sense that they want to keep that group together the 22 group and keep keep them together one but also keep them out of the forefront of what's happening this year there is some whispers about behind the scenes there's being some intentionality there but damn we got we trying to win football games bro like mm-hmm. damn we trying to we trying to have a winning season we got the second longest win streak in america man consecutive winning seasons and and there's some meat on that bone on defense 25 has a you know and in fact, you know what's crazy? He got better this year. That's crazy to say. He did. He got better. <laughs> he got better. Like towards year. the end of the season, but, he was not. Uh, he had some the had same. Some yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also the part of he also is just man. Just leaves a lot to be desired in a lot of instances, and he's done it for years. And I saw three come in and be physical and come downhill. I saw three come in and do a banana where he's going B gap to C gap to alley to sideline, which is the angle you take to lead running backs properly to your, your corners. And you don't just give up the edge. I saw things there. We saw Canick come downhill and be a bat out of hill, make up mistakes. He, I, we saw him actually make be a playmaker. 
So yeah, he's young. Yeah, he's learning. Yeah, he made mistakes. Yeah, he's probably mental bust. I feel like by the end of the season, and this is when again I gotta shout out Cal. Cal's been on this all damn year. I feel like by the end of the year there should be some subgroups, some sub packages. Those guys could be uh, contributors, and and they're they're not redshirting, right? I think the redshirt yeah. is out for them. That that are those are things that coach has to self-assess. He's got to self-assess the personnel. He's got to self-assess the autonomy he allows the offense to have, especially being a defensive-minded coach, knowing how to dial things up to get offenses off the field. And and again, I don't want to make any excuses for him because damn it, he makes too much money for me to make excuses for him. But I just think about checking boxes that late in the game and what his priorities were. And I think his, I think he sold, I think he sold out to culture season one because he knew it was rotten to the core and he knew he needed to create some stability and some normalcy and create a pathway to a vision. I don't even think who the hell knows what OU's vision was the last seven years. Like who knows what Riley's vision was, you know what I'm saying? Get the best quarterback and get all the credit. Like, I I can't think of, you know, receivers and quarterbacks. I can't think of anything vision-wise that he laid down foundationally for the university. Very clear. Very clear what, what Venable's vision is. And again, people are discounting soul. You guys are wilding out. When we don't have a ton of the guys we want to leave portaling, we may have some guys leaving who are trying to get to the league because they've been in the program, you know, three, four, five years. And, and even if it's going to pay them 800K versus a couple mil, all the best to those guys. We'll, we'll, we'll get younger and more of, more of our guys, but we're not going to have turmoil like an A&M where sophomores and freshmen that we anticipate being guys in the years to come are just going to be running for the road. We're just not. And by the way, I don't know that. I'm just telling you, culture is the reason why you don't have that. Culture is those years like, how does Alabama get these guys to come back that are going to be second rounders and the next year they're first rounders? How does Clemson do it? We saw Clemson and Bama do it. That's called culture. And we'll start to see the residual impact on that. We're not going to see it Texas Tech week 11, year one. We're going to see it two years from now when Barnes, well, I wouldn't use Barnes. That's a bad example. Uh, one of our tackles or our linebackers sees us as a championship caliber team saying, man, if I stick around one more year, I can go win a championship at OU. And those guys stick around and we just increase quality depth. And that leadership resonates to the next crew, Right. The biggest thing accomplishment I say from Oklahoma that I had was I felt like our group of receivers produced the best group of receivers in Oklahoma history. Mm-hmm. The, the Lamb and and uh, and and Hollywood Brown group, man, that 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 group, you know. But the depth of Mark and Mark Bradley and Travis and and Willie P and Rank and Brandon Jones, like that crew, to this day, were so tight. Any of them could call, any of us can talk, and it's 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 love because that's how that relationship was built. We built a foundation, uh, a culture with those guys, and it was a receiver thing. We kind of were like, we got more swag than DBs. We had a thing where we're like, we're tougher than you guys. Like, we were some salty little son of a guns. That's why them boys blocked. We blocked. And uh, that's the stuff that you get with a BV that you don't get with a with the Riley. And that's the stuff you see in years two and three that Riley better get another C-dub if he wants to see the, the same production he's seen year one in the years to come. I agree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I think as we uh, as we get on out, out of here today, I think the um, bowl practices and what's going to happen in the next couple weeks is going to tell us a lot. I think December 5th, when the the portal really starts launching off, we'll we'll know and have a good idea when we start seeing some of these OU guys portal out, what the the direction is going to be. But I do want everyone to know that just because the season, the regular season is over, does not mean that we're going to not be dropping some content. Uh, The Barry and Mac show is still going to be bringing you guys some content on a weekly basis. I'm going to continue to have uh, Jalen Ross on here um, doing doing the Blitz period. We're going to do the 360 roundtable, so make sure you also go subscribe to uh, to that. Make sure to rate and review, all, all that good stuff. But I think there's still reason to be hopeful. I think there's still reason to be um, high on what this staff can do because a lot of these guys on this staff, if they were let go outside of a couple names that everybody knows about, 
if a lot of these people were, were let go on this staff, they would be swooped up in a heartbeat by a number of different programs. So, so I think that the general sentiment right now should be should be hope, but the uh, the proverbial clock is uh, is definitely ticking. Uh, Dmac, you got anything for the people on the way out today, brother? Just uh, you know, let's limit the excuses and emotional outbursts and get to the solutions, brother. That starts with our HBC. Hey, ball coach, bro. I, uh, coach, I ain't gonna call you, bro. My expectations, like you said, we got to dominate class of 2023, closing out Bowens, closing out Higgs, closing out Akana, closing out some of these names that are on the cusp. We've got to do what Link couldn't do and get those guys in the fold. By the way, how sweet is that? Two five-star defensive players. How many five-star defensive players did Lincoln ever get? Jeez. Clayton Smith? Clayton, Clayton Smith, Smith, who was, who, yeah. who, who I think is no longer on the team. No or, longer. Or, yeah, or, he's in the portal officially. Yeah. yeah. So Clayton Smith won. In how many years? Yeah. Right. We already got PJ in the fold. Right. We get Bowen and or Hicks. That's three in one class. And last year, the, the, the linebackers, we've never recruited the caliber of backer we recruited last year. But anyway, we got to win the portal next. We got to win. We got to win bowl prep and offseason. We do those three things by addition, by subtraction. We are going to be in a better position because there's just certain guys who can't or shouldn't or probably won't come back. And it'll give newer guys the opportunity to get the lion's shares of reps. Hey, and Barry, last thing, I'm looking forward to seeing if the trend continues with bowl games, how they treat it kind of like the Olympics. You know how like the Olympic soccer is kind of like the up and coming guys now. It's kind of like the 18 yeah. to 23 year old. It's not really the OGs doing the Olympics anymore. It it seems to me like unless you're playing in the, uh, the, the, the college football playoffs, generally teams are just rolling with younger guys. And so I look forward to seeing tell those guys get a chance to play and show what they can do. Uh, I'd like to see Sachuk run the ball. Uh, I'd like to see uh, those three big horses we have at O-Lyman get a chance to move their feet and move some people. Um, the, 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 the two tight ends, they got they had to play because of injury and different things that happened. But I'm interested in seeing some of these younger guys. I'd like to see 10 play some backer. I'd like to see what the kid has. I'm hearing a lot of good things. He's just lighting ass. Uh, I want to see the 10 4 DB row. I want to see what you got, man. So looking forward to that stuff. I just want people to know we're not making excuses for coach, but damn it, I played the game. And at the end of the day, Coach Dukes wasn't saving us. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't nothing Coach Spurrier was going to do once that whistle blew to save me. We were we we knew our coaches prepared correctly and we're going to put us in the right place. But I got to tell you, B, there were a ton of plays. You're playing K-State. He's inside tech. You got to run a post. You see there's one more coming. We can see it. There's another guy coming that we can't block in the scheme we have set up. We've got six in the box plus a Q. They've got five in the box plus two sniffing up on defense. We know if I don't get there in, in, in you know, three seconds, I've got three seconds. If I don't get there, Josh is probably getting killed. I'm probably getting cussed out. Like, I couldn't expect the coaches to save me, man. Like, to, to, to create that narrative is just, that's just weak to me. It's it's a beta. It's a beta deal. There's a reason the game revolves around the kids. Coaches get paid a ton, too. But this is a game about players making plays. So, Sooner Nation, let's not make excuses for our coach. Let's hold them accountable. Let's hold him accountable for doing being a better CEO next season and, and to, to finishing out this recruiting season the way he's he's shown that he should be able to. And stick around. We're going to be breaking down every game from this season. We're going to be showing you guys video clips. We're obviously going to continue to have the interviews. Um, and I'm just looking forward, man. I still nerd out on this. I, I, I still look forward to doing this. This isn't a job for me. It's 100%. Fun, good times with good people. Barry, you, you, you're as dope as they come, bro. Definitely uh, didn't anticipate uh, having a brother from this six, seven months later. Let's let's finish strong. Let's get this winning season, man. And uh, shit, on and on. Let's get to 2023 and, and continue to write the ship. Let's go. Off season's going to be huge. We're going to be bringing you guys content um, over at Sooners360.com like you have not seen before. For an off season so if you want the full gamut of stuff go go give it a visit make sure to follow us on social media 
um, at Barry and Mac SHW on Twitter. Damien's is D underscore Mac 13. And mine is at BY's Fitness at letter B W I S E Fitness. Follow the IG at the Barry and Mac Show. And we will see you soon. Boom. Good stuff. <laughs>